Hey, what's going on? Welcome back to the Rockman Power Hour. My name is Jason Rockman, and this is a podcast where we talk to people in the world of pop culture all about interesting things. And uh, this week, we've got two members of a legendary Canadian band called Glass Tiger. Um, I've been a fan of Glass Tiger for a long, long time as well. Um, admire them from afar for their songwriting prowess and we got to dig deep into one of their songs today on the podcast which was a real treat um also uh, we're going to discuss with them their christmas album and their upcoming canadian tour so make sure um you pay attention to this one because there's going to be some dates happening all around uh canada and uh, two of those are going to be relatively close to montreal if you're in montreal so put that on the old radar but before we get too far i would like to bring in my co-host ryan stick how are you ryan I'm uh, good, man. Yeah, better than last week. Yeah, last week was a, a touch and go for you, eh? Yeah, last week um, would have made last week would have made uh, the characters in a National Lampoon movie say shit. Glad I'm not him. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so you weathered you weathered through that storm. We don't have to. I mean, we don't have to. Do you want to talk about what happened to you last week, or do you want to keep it? Uh, I like to keep my complaining around people yeah. I know and love who will, ex- who will accept and listen to it. So but, Ryan, Ryan's yeah. in a much, let's just say Ryan's in a much better place this week. There I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, but I'm in a much better place this week too, because this interview of Glass Tiger rules. Like one of the benefits of being like a producer and editor on the show is every now and then you'll send me over an an interview that is just kind of magic, actually. And uh, I think this is probably one of the best interviews you've ever done on this show. Like, yeah, you think goes by like nothing the 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 lads, I want to call them are are wonderful. And uh, the storytelling was great. And there's all around like, you know, you could tell that everybody a really wants to be there. And there's a chemistry even in storytelling and music. And I got to I got to say, like, I haven't listened to much glass tiger. But after after this interview, I am looking so forward to actually being able to see them. So yeah, and you and I and and our producer, the whole podcast is going to see them in Quebec City. Yeah. Um, in October. So that's going to be a lot, a lot of fun. We're going to go see them actually October 8th. They're playing in Quebec. Um, and we're going to be there for Quebec comic con. So we're going to, we're going to peace out a little bit early and go see them on Saturday <laughs> night. So that's fun. The Rockman power hour is going to see glass tiger as a podcast. I think that's pretty cool. Uh, but I can tell you, Ryan, if you had a bad week last week, the one thing that cures all maladies and depression and, uh, just general bad vibes is heartbeat hot sauce. <laughs> <laughs> And I got to tell you, man, if you've ever had a bad day, you put some of this motherfucker on your bad day and you'll be able to eat that thing in one bite. Um, I, I'm a big, big fan of Heartbeat and they're the title sponsor of our podcast. And uh, all kidding aside, um, we do love the hot sauce here uh, on the podcast. And so do all of our guests. You know, we we what we usually do and a lot of people don't know is we send a box of this to our guests that are willing to receive it. And um, we have had such incredible response from all of our guests Um on heartbeat. Here's an example, Ryan, of how great these guys are. Okay. Um, I went on tour with the Mastodon guys for a couple of days, as you know, and, um, I brought two boxes on the bus and, uh, immediately the guys dug in and tried it. And I got wind the next day that some of the guys on the crew bus were a little jealous and they were wondering if they could have four or five of the bottles for their bus because they had gotten wind through the grapevine, how good heartbeat was. And then one of the guys who came up to me, one of the techs was like, yeah, man, I've been chomping on the dill pickle Serrano um, forever. So this one's really, really popular with a lot of people. That's why I wanted to bring this one out. But it was just nice to see the organic reach of this stuff. I mean, people genuinely like, they genuinely love heartbeat hot sauce. And 
I get it because I was consuming it before they came on board and um, I'm a big fan as well. So if you use my promo code Rockman20 right there, you will be able to get 20% off your entire order of hot sauce and that code doesn't expire. So you can use that as many times as you want. Every time you're going to order hot heartbeat, think of the Rockman power hour and think of Rockman 20 and you'll get 20% off your entire order. Make oh. your bad day taste good. Heartbeat hot sauce. Look at Ryan leaning into the promo. I love it. I was just standing here behind the scenes in sunglasses for like three minutes, and I'm just like, I "When is going to shut up?" Story is going to end. <laughs> no, it was. It's amazing. Actually, I was really taken by the Mastodon story because um, that's a, well. That's the thing about you. We take our sponsorship seriously. Like we take our yeah. bottles like everywhere. With well, you know what it was is that um, as you know, Bill's a friend of mine. And, yeah. um, and I was going to ride the bus for, for, you know, from Montreal to Toronto and I got to show up with gifts. Like I can't show yeah. up. If someone invites you somewhere, you don't show up empty, empty handed. It's my mom always taught me. So, um, your mom should have taught me better. I'm that dick. That's always, <laughs> well, you should always bring there. Yeah. You, then now, you know, you gotta go, you gotta always bring something to a person's house if they invite you. So, gotcha. um, so I decided I'm going to bring some heart, some hot sauce. I, I called the heartbeat guys and I was like, Hey, can you send me down some stuff to bring for the guys? And then on top of it, I brought, you know, Montreal bagels. I brought cream cheese. I brought smoked meat and I just brought a bunch of stuff and, and everyone loved the heart, the hot sauce. So it was really, really cool to see, you know, organic reach. It's not just someone trying to force something down your throat, people want to put it down their throat. Yeah. <laughs> it got really fucking Well, they weird. bring, they get, they bring you on buses and stuff like that. Cause they're like this generous soul that bears gifts. Uh, I'm always on their buses cause apparently they need a mule. So <laughs> <laughs> anyway, listen, dude, you do what you got to do. Someday. Are you going to bring the gift of t-shirt? Uh, maybe. Yeah. Well, that, that, uh, that's a whole other story for a whole other day, but, um, <laughs> we also want to thank our uh, friends over at studio house designs for always making us look fresh. As you uh, know, the weather's getting a little chillier here. Um, I don't know how it is up in Laval, but, uh, down here in the cold city, we have to wear a long sleeve cause it's a little chilly. So I'm rocking. It's, the uh, it's cold too. It's just more <laughs> boring. <laughs> this is the Abbottville horror shirt. I've had this one forever. This is one of the first ones that I got. And uh, I love just all the detail that Cody puts on the sleeves. You see all the flies. You can see the windows from the uh, from the house and, and the line on the on here. For God's sakes, get out! So uh, yeah, lo love them, and they're uh, always with us as well, keeping us look fresh. So big shout out to Studio House Designs. All right, let's get into this podcast. Okay, we've got Sam, we've got Alan from the band Glass Tiger, and right off the bat, I leaned in and spoke to them about their classic hit "Don't Forget Me When I'm Gone," which most people would be like, oh man, that's such a great song, bro. And then it would just get awkward. But I wanted to break down the song um, from a songwriting point of view because I really do believe this is one of the best pop songs ever written. And it's just aggressive songwriting. So we get into that right off the bat and we chat uh, about a lot of things, including collaborating with Brian Adams, uh, their Christmas album, working with Gordon Lightfoot, et cetera, et cetera. So check it out right here, our chat with Glass Tiger. Can you guys hear me? I can't. Yeah. I'm really fucking rough. I'll tell you that right now. Okay. I'm uh, I'm hungover. <laughs> you know that you know this is live streaming. You know that, right? No, 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 no. Don't worry about it. We're good. We're good. I did a concert in Toronto last night, and then I had my pal here till about three o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Well, see, this is why I got sober. <laughs> yeah. Really. 
<laughs> I stopped. I stopped drinking. Um, I'm 51. I stopped drinking when I was 21. Um, oh wow! And uh, but awesome. I but I but I feel I I feel like I I get hung, if I'm out too late, um, I get hungover. Just physically feel hungover. So and all my friends that still drink tell me you like it just gets worse as you get older. Of like course. it's fun in that moment, but the recovery is. Uh, <laughs> uh, thank you both for taking the time to chat today. Um, you know it's it's funny because growing up in Montreal. Um, you know, we discussed briefly, I'm, I'm, I'm in my early, early fifties, but growing up in Montreal, being, um, a fan and, you know, I work at Shome now, but being a fan of Shome, I heard Glass Tiger from, you know, my very formative years. There were these bands in that sweet spot in the eighties. There were some Canadian bands that were just, um, that left their mark on me. You know, you guys, men without hats, um, the box, um, and, and several others, but what always stood out to me was that you guys wrote these songs that were just undeniable. And I actually, um, I'm going to get, I want to break down one of your songs once we start chatting a bit, because I, I'm a songwriter as well. I used to do music. I kind of don't do it as much as I used to, but I did do it professionally for, for a bit and pretty successfully. But when I look at the way you wrote, Don't Forget Me, to me, it's almost like a course that should be taught in university on how to write a song, because it's such aggressive songwriting. And, and, and I, and I want to, first of all, commend you on that. Cause I know it's a song that everybody talks to you about, but I'm talking to you about it from a songwriter's point of view. It's very aggressive. It's almost like a UFC knockout in 53 seconds. <laughs> and, and I, I've never listened to it this way, but knowing that I was going to talk to you, I said, I'm going to really listen to the song with, with different ears. And when I listened, um, just the fact that you start off on the pre-chorus music, it's like, whoa. Um, verse, pre-chorus, no chorus, verse, pre-chorus, chorus. So at a minute 48, your the song is established, but then you just keep building. You give horns. Uh, there's a break from 247 to 256, where there's just everybody else would be doing some kind of a solo. And you sit back and you just give a very stripped down bass thing. And then you come back with Brian Adams. I mean, the, th the whole thing is just like a knockout. Can you tell me how were you able to do that at such a young age as a band? And did I just give you too much to, I, I know there's a lot to digest there, but I mean, do you see where I'm coming from? Uh, shall I go first, Sam? Huh? Sure. Uh, well, uh, thank, thank you for that. <laughs> uh, and what's interesting, not to blow our horn, but Bob Lefsitz, as you know, I'm yep. sure you know, he actually said, he listed it as one of the greatest pop songs of all time. Uh, well, I would have to agree with him. Which, which was heavy. Uh, I think Sam would agree that it was a combination of our, we'll, we'll call it, uh, though I wasn't a kid, but we'll call it our youth. We were very green. There was no rules. So there was nothing containing us from trying anything. And we have to commend Jim Valens for joining forces with us because Jim was a very well-seasoned uh, songwriter. So uh, when we did it, I remember it was when the second verse came in and I had put a particular harmony on it mm -hmm. that made it to me sound like the Everly Brothers. Yeah. That's what I remember thinking. Wow, it's the Everly Brothers. And I knew that it had this undeniable... Uh, kind of undeniable earworm uh, way about it. 
that it was just going to infect people. And the other thing, too, was we weren't trying to uh, kid anybody on. We knew it was three and a half minutes of fun, and and you, we wanted you just to tap your toe. We wanted you to get stuck in a traffic jam and sing along with it. And we knew the lyrics were simple, mm-hmm. uh, and that's sort of my take on it, that we knew it was infectious. I, well, I would add, of course, agree with all that, and I would add um, the moment uh, that we sat down uh, and that's sort of within minutes of arriving at Jim Valance's studio for the first time. And we were not sure how that relationship was going to work out. And uh, to be honest, I, I know personally I was really nervous about that because mm. Jim had written hits with Brian Adams. And yeah. and here we are, my first time on an airplane flying Toronto to Vancouver, arriving at this big songwriter's house and like, is he a nice guy? Is he approachable? <laughs> sure. You know, do we have any valid ideas that he's going to entertain. And and within minutes of arriving, Jim is ultimately he's a very organized but very fair individual. So immediately tried to cultivate, well, what are you guys listening to? Right. And the first thing we did is he had this magic drawer of of, of CDs or albums, and and we would just started listening to things at the time. Uh, and we're still big fans. I'm still a big fan of Tears for Fears. Yeah. And yeah. and he's like, wow, I really like this Tears for Fears record. And I really love this song, Everyone Wants to Rule the World. And and he goes, hmm, shuffle. Yeah, yeah, uh, we haven't had one of those in a while. So that pointed us uh, groove-wise in a direction, and it just fell together uh, within minutes. Um, There's a very interesting live, captured live, cassette tape. Uh, Back in the day, uh, Balance would run a cassette tape in the room in case you would go into something and an idea and then wander off in the wrong direction. You could go back to your cassette tape and pull yourself back to the moment that you were still in love with it and figure out where where did we go wrong because we were loving it here. And and that tape, um, I ended up keeping that tape at the end and I put it on one of our bonus things. I've actually used it in songwriting workshops to show younger songwriters just how haphazard <laughs> songwriting is yeah you know yeah. and you hear alan singing the verse over the chorus and a little bit of the chorus over the verse and then it just starts taking shape and then and then balance is kind of tweaking and then and it just all fell into like a puzzle and and in real time you can hear the the tape and it's it's quite fascinating how it all just formed itself yeah. and, you know, one of the uh, one of the stories I love to tell is that, as Sam mentioned, we we went to Jim's house and had a cup of tea as we were doing this. Immediately, he fires up the drum machine. Immediately, I sing the words "Don't forget me when I'm gone" as a verse. Uh, Valence says, "Oh, I love that line. Let's keep that." And then uh, we mess around. We don't forget me when I'm gone. And Sam and Al. Uh, were smokers at the time, so Jim and I are avid non-smokers. So we chased them out the house, and the two of them went for a 10-minute walk. In that 10 minutes, Valance fires up this little chugga-chugga thing on the keyboard, and I immediately start singing, When I come home, you telephone. When I come home, that's all I had. The boys come back. So within about two hours, maybe four hours, whatever it was, we had written uh, Don't Forget Me When I'm Gone and Someday. Wow. And the two of them go on to win single of the year, a Juno, 
single of the year from the same album. Mm. It'd never been done before, uh, a year apart. Crazy. And we wrote them that, uh, within the first four hours of meeting Jim Balance and working with him. You know, and, and there's something to be said about instant connections and, and, you know, you were saying Sam about having to, you know, having that cassette and being able to go back and, and map when those things go off or when they, when they, when they stay on course. And uh, it's funny because, <laughs> and I, it's pretty ironic, but I spoke to another very uh, popular S- Scotsman this morning, Jim Kerr. Um, we spoke at about 10 AM this morning and we were talking about songwriting and we were talking about how there was magic that happened between him and Charlie Birchill early on. And they seem to have recaptured that when the pandemic hit and they were able to just sit the, the two of them in a room together and do what they used to do at the beginning, which was just capture lightning in a bottle. And I think it's great when you hear these stories because in the, you know, at the base of it, the reason why bands do this is to write music at, at the beginning. It's that passion. It's that love. And that tends to go in a lot of different directions when life gets in the way. But um, I think it's great when you're able to look back and, you know, talk to some bozo like me that, that, analyzes how you guys wrote the song because i think sometimes you might even forget at one point you know it's like because what you guys did here with with this song is very very good and it's and and you know it's one of the reasons why people keep talking about it because it it's just it's excellence in songwriting so kudos for you you know for being able to do that i do remember one thing and that is at the end of the day we were young enough that we really didn't fully understand what had happened that day. And we're in the car with Jim driving across. He lived in North Van. We were driving across the Lionsgate Bridge with the cassette of the day in his car. And and I, we're just, I'm trying, trying to read this individual. Like, does he like it? Did he have a good day? And I remember like looking at his, he was like snapping his fingers. And I went, I guess that's a good sign, you know? And I said, Jim, is it okay? And he's like, Sam, this is a good one. Like it was just great, great to get his endorsement at the end of the day. Um, he was like, "No, th- this is really cool. We're on to something really cool here." I I remember uh, like Sam and I and Jim. We uh, we were we did all the vocals, and then I was last man standing. Sam came home just ahead of me, and then I remember leaving with the full cas- the cassette tape in my pocket. And I was on a plane coming home, and I remember thinking, "Oh, don't let this plane go down! I want people to hear this." <laughs> I, I, I knew I had something uh, special in my pocket, and uh, and the rest is history. So, um, you guys are are um, gearing up to do a bunch of dates. I know you played yesterday in Toronto. Um, you're going to be playing in Montreal. You're actually going to play, be playing in Quebec City um, when I'm going to be there, and I'm excited about that. It's a Saturday night. Oh. Is it fun to to get back on stage now that the world's kind of coming back to normal? Um, and, and and I imagine a lot of people that I've spoken to, they really, really felt robbed, you know, from the two years they had. One of the biggest conversations I had about the pandemic was with my mom. My mom's 74, 75 now. And my mom's like, there's only so much runway left. She goes, and I feel like I've just been robbed of these years that I, I, I need to make up for it. Um, do you guys have that feeling at all where that all the time that you lost there's is there this urgency to like you know get out there and do more now or is it or do you do you look at it from a different from a different point now you want to go first son? <laughs> <laughs> well, well i gotta say because it because it, it, it's been a twisted world for a few years and and, and and it's twilight zone stuff 
Yeah. Um, and I know as a band, we were on a lovely little one song moment where our manager said, you know, what do you guys want to do? And we're like, well, let's talk about this three to five year window. And we were doing upwards of a hundred shows a year, sure. which we were like, wow. And, and as long as we're enjoying it, we'll, we'll continue to do it. And then that all of a sudden grinds to a halt immediately because the first industry to stop is live music. And the last yeah. industry to start is yeah. live music. Absolutely. So it's, um, so I think when we got over the weirdness, the first few months, I called Alan and I said, you know, we have to have something to show for this time. Like, obviously, we're not playing. We're not doing this. Like, let's go back through the spare parts folder of all the songs. And then one of the things that rose up to the top of the priority list is, could we pull off a holiday album? Like, could we pull off something that's been on our bucket list for 35 years? We've never been able to solve it. And so we started consuming ourselves with that task. Could we make one, this studio that I'm sitting in, Alan's got a studio, like we have the ability to, to, to write remotely, um, you know, in the early stages when we were in small little bubbles, yeah. Alan yeah. up here. And so I look back at the downtime and what makes me feel a little less like it was wasted time is we have our first holiday Christmas album, however you want to call it, yeah. uh, which ended up being nothing like what we started. We started with cover songs and couldn't agree on any, so we threw them all away. And then we wrote a bunch of songs. And, and now that we stand back, we were listening to it the other day, and we're like, that's really cool. At least I can look at that time and say we did something useful. There. Sure, sure. Uh, I have a strange answer. If, if you want the truth, I'll give you the truth. Please. I, I, like people say to me, it must be incredible being up there and you live for it and all that stuff. But the truth be told, I've, I never, uh, I'm never sure whether I enjoy it or not. And I know that sounds strange. Um, I'm, I'm not defined by it. And, and uh, like last night, I had a strange moment last night because I was still sitting here at three o'clock in the morning having gigged and a friend was here. I sent a couple of texts um, to uh, a, a couple of friends and I was having one of those strange moments where I'd just been on stage in front of five or six thousand people in Toronto, whatever it was, and I'm not even sure uh, whether I enjoyed it or not. Because yeah. they always go, "Did you have a fantastic time?" And I go, "Ah." And so when people say to me, "Then why do you do it?" Well, I do it because uh, it's something to do. For sure. No, for sure. <laughs> I do it because I'm good at it. And I'm, I do it because it, it brings joy to people. I see it on their faces, yeah. and it brings joy to them. So the, the, the reason I'm telling you this is when the pandemic came along, like I like to paint and I like to uh, write. I'm writing a novel, and I'm, I'm just as happy yeah. uh, doing that. And so I guess it's just not one of those, you know, you hear those stories about people that just they live for the high of being on stage. Sam and I, you know, we're up there doing a job. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. And we're looking at each other going, well, you know, we're, we're good at this. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'm losing my... No, my no, no. I, 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 I completely get where you're coming from because I I was a musician for, for a very, very long time. I don't even define myself as a musician anymore, but there was a period of my life where I did music 100%. You know, right. I, I, I did everything I could have ever done in music except make a lot of money. Um, 
and I did all the shows I wanted to do. Like I, I, you know, I moved to Los Angeles. I did all the great fun stuff, the big tours, you know, went overseas, like all that. Um, but it doesn't define me anymore because I found all these other things I'm very passionate about. I almost prefer doing what I do now, speaking right. to musicians or helping younger musicians, giving them a platform. It's just a way of giving back. And I, and I like that, but it's funny how some people still want to put me in this box of, well, you must be love being like the lead singer of your band. I'm like, well, no, it's kind of goofy now. <laughs> I just, but, but, but I understand how it, for, for you guys, it is a job and it is something. And I'm sure there's days where, you know, there's nights where you're, you look at each other and go, man, that was one of the better ones. And I'm sure there's nights where you're like, fuck, I'm so glad that's done. Let's, let's get out of, you know, Regina or wherever, nothing against Regina, but you know, <laughs> like there must be times where it's like, okay, it, it's good to, so I, I understand how um, pandemic was very different for a lot of people. Um, and for yourself, Alan, I mean, obviously going through what you went through in 2015, I'm sure that brought a lot. I'm sure for you, and I, I'm just assuming here when the pandemic hit, you probably were like, Hey man, you know, this too shall pass, you know? It, it, oh yeah. I mean, I like, well, I, my family, uh, my wife and daughter were over in Italy and I traveled back and forth. Yeah. Uh, during the pandemic, I, I didn't let that stop me. I got on planes and I, I felt safer on the plane than I did in Loblaws. <laughs> and, uh, and I went back and forth. And like I say, I painted and uh, Sam and I wrote together. Uh, we stayed very active. The, the yeah. only thing we were missing was that idea of getting up in front of a live audience. Sure. But uh, my thing more with the pandemic uh was just about it makes you think a lot about life and and your mortality and yeah. and all those things and and getting older and and stuff like that but uh, i was i was just fine uh, being in the house painting i was okay with that the one thing the one thing i will add that we we held off for the longest time everybody was doing it which was all these virtual performances yeah and i saw a lot of people doing virtual performances that i had a lot of great respect for and I don't think they had realized how bad they were. Like, I, I don't understand some of these people that were doing these performances. And, and it's like, let's just throw quality out the door. Yeah. And, and let's sing from our living room and think that that's going to sound or look good. Yeah. I, I saw so many people doing it. And I was like, yeah. we do not want to do that. We finally broke down and did, did a, um, a virtual show from the Elma Combo in Toronto. Right. At the end of it. I said to our manager, please never do that again. <laughs> never. If you don't have audi an audience in the room, there is yeah. no reason for us to be in that room. Yeah, it's it's not worth being there. It was like the people that were doing the drive-in shows and, you know, that people were in the cars. <laughs> you did one of those? Oh, God, yeah. Did one of those. Put your windshield washers on if you like the song, you know? It like, was odd. It was odd. And certainly not a replacement for what we did last night. Right. Um, so I'm intrigued about this Christmas record. Uh, I'm a big Christmas guy. I love Christmas. Can, can you tell? This is a plug. Oh, you, oh, wow. So you yeah. already have it. I have oh, yeah. And, and CD and vinyl. So when is this, th this is coming out? It's already available or it's that's, it okay. snuck out during the pandemic in 2020. Okay. Okay. But we couldn't tour it. We couldn't right. do anything. So okay. this winter, this little mini tour starting in Montreal, is our first opportunity to perform this record live. Okay, so so tell me a bit about it. I mean, I, I, there it's original Christmas songs. You're not you're not mining the classics, right? Well, they they that guy that is on with me here. He's 
<laughs> He's been bugging me for years to uh, to do one of these. Okay, uh, and he knows he knows that I'm. Uh, I mean, I am an atheist. That's 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 who I am. Yeah, I like I like Christmas. I do. Mm-hmm. I like to watch my family and I, my friends have a great time. And when my little daughter was growing up, and there's a, my wife, they put Christmas trees in the house. I love the holiday season. Mm-hmm, of course, I'm not against that at all. But I, I did not want to do holy night and all that. Sure. Yeah. And and you're right. We didn't want to go back to, you know, uh, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas and Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer and all that. So I, I, I said to Sam, I'm game if we if we can just do originals. Yeah. And he said, I love that. And so we we sat down and we did it. And I'm I'm I think when you hear it, I'm very proud of it. I think it's uh, it really captured the essence of the holiday spirit um, and Christmas time. And then the only thing uh, that caught up in a, uh, caught up with us was Sam did look through a lot of covers and he discarded most of them. And then he came to me and said, have you heard this Gordon Lightfoot song? Uh, it's called A Song for a Winter's Night. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, I've never heard it. And Sam played it for me. And uh, we agreed that we thought we could do a, a really good version of that. And so we did. Uh, Sam will tell you a little bit more about the recording of it. But uh, the one thing we, that was a lot of fun was that I got in touch with Gordon, uh, Gordon Lightfoot, and we chatted. And uh, we we knew that the key I was in, and we didn't want to put Gordon under pressure of doing a duet with us or anything sure. like that. So he was kind enough. Uh, I wrote a little poem, a short poem, and Sam and I went over to Gordon's house, and he was kind enough to read it. And and we put that on the, uh, the oh, album. Oh, so you, re- you recorded it? Yeah. From his, it's COVID, so from his porch. I had a portable recorder on his deck, and then he came out with a mask, took it off, read the poem, and went back in. Wow, that's iconic. <laughs> no, no, Sam, he took it. He took it from us and went into the house and went in. That's right, because of the noise, because planes flying over and stuff. Yeah, he did it. Wow, that must have been it. so. So, and was it just the two of you at the door? Yeah. yeah. So. When he goes off with your recorder and the two of you are looking at each other, you must have laughed a little bit. You must have been like, well, the, and the funny thing is, is the funny thing is, uh, his uh, I don't know if his wife or his partner his or whatever, she she comes out. We were talking amongst ourselves. He was in his house doing the what we had asked him to do, and we were all excited. So, and she comes out and she goes, Gordon says, shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> and we're like, because he's trying to record this in here, and all I can hear is your voice. And we're like. Oh shit! Okay, <laughs> and we hung out. I mean, Sam and I had met him a couple of times briefly, quick chat. I think I, I think I met him one time uh, on my own, a brief chat. But he was lovely. We mm. sat, we 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 were we were together with him, oh, a good hour, and you know, making small talk and. And, it's a very and, special part of the record. It was a nice icing on the cake. I think that's yeah. that's incredible. That's that's a great. I mean, you know, there is video footage on our YouTube channel. Of I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have to go look at that. That, we'll that, it, we'll that, that that's a great story. Um, he, yeah, because he's pretty. He's pretty iconic. You know. Oh, oh. huge! I mean, I, I I mean he pops up everywhere. I mean, and that's funny. I was watching reruns of Seinfeld uh, the other day, and there's an episode where they're talking about the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald, and there's 
there's you know there's Elaine and whatever and they're talking about Gordon Lightfoot and it was like he's right in that TV series. Well, you know, there's there's him and then there's Leonard Cohen and they're these guys that kind of are in that you know they they exist in that space and yeah. and they're not really from anywhere but they're everywhere and they're yeah. quoted everywhere. When I first came to Canada uh, as a 16 year old, I was just all about the Beatles. It was mm. just the Beatles, sure. the story. Rod Stewart, I knew nothing, really nothing about what you would call North American music. Sure. Uh, certainly C- Canadiana, nothing. And uh, I remember going to parties and all of a sudden it was uh, the, the thing, the two that stick in my mind was Share the Land yeah. by Guess Who. Guess Who, yeah. And, um, and uh, Canadian Railroad Trilogy. Yeah. We got yeah. like the, of course. that was my first introduction to what I would call Canadiana. Yeah. You know, I want to find Joni Mitchell and, yeah. and uh, Neil Young and stuff like that. But uh, uh, Canadian Railroad trilogy is near and dear to my heart. Oh, yeah. Me. I mean, and it's funny it, it, being a Montrealer for us, it was always Leonard Cohen. You know, right. it's Leonard Cohen because he was from our own backyard and stuff. But, but yeah, it's uh, when you, um, and I imagine, you know, if you're going over during COVID, the last thing you want to, you know, I mean, he's like ground zero for like at risk. The last thing you want to do is do anything bad to him. So it's like, here, it's like sanitize the recorder and, and record. But that is, that's incredible that you got him to do something. Well, like and I think at the end, it's the only cover song on the record. Yeah. And in the end, I think uh, we weren't even sure. We enjoyed making the song, but we really capped it off is he listened to it and gave his thumbs up. And yeah. I think we yeah. need, we needed him to do that. Otherwise, we were kind of sitting on the fence a little bit. But it's kind of like covering a Beatles song. You, you, it's not an easy cover to do. You're not going to no. knock them off their perch. And that's not the purpose of doing it. And some people go, oh, you shouldn't be able, you shouldn't touch a Gordon Lightfoot song or whatever. And it's like, you're missing the point. It's yeah. it's to pay homage to to right. him and, and what a great artist and great writer. This is a compliment. And it's not yeah. meant yeah. to change his version or anything, but some people take. Uh, but getting his endorsement. Yeah. Was everything. A, well, and, and that's the thing, you know, when you, when you touch Holy Grails like that, and again, I'm going to go back to Cohen, but when, when Jeff Buckley did, you know, um, yeah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Yeah. It, it's still one of the best recorded versions ever. Um, and I'm sure he had the same attitude. He just wanted to pay tribute to a great song. So, um, how do you guys feel when people cover you? Uh, cause we, it's been we, done. We, yeah. Yeah. We, ha- we haven't had too much of it. Um, and so I don't think, uh, you know, when, when you talk about the likes of Gordon or Leonard Cohen or Paul McCartney, I'm sure it's just a walk in the park for them. And, uh, but we haven't had it that much, but it, it's, it's, it's interesting, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's interesting to hear uh, uh, people's intent. I actually get a kick. I get more of a kick out of occasionally I'll be, uh, scrolling and you it might be that one guy just in his basement yeah on his acoustic guitar uh covering someday i i get a real i mean a woman the other day sent me something and it's her singing oh i think she i think it's someday and and it's you know it's not that great <laughs> but she's <laughs> yeah. giving it all sure she's giving it all and uh I encouraged her and now she's sending me more. But anyway, <laughs> uh, but I get more of a kick out of that, you sure. know, 
watching people do that. It's it it it, it warms my heart to to see that. I, I can yeah. remember going to a club. I don't know if it was Montreal or Quebec City, but we went in to have a beer in a club, one of the clubs. Oh, there, yeah. And yeah. there was a band performing live, and they were a cover band, and and we went and they were playing like Your Way to Look For or something like in their set. And they yeah. were really good. Actually, I think they play it better than us. Like <laughs> the parts. You remember the reaction one time when we all went to a pub and there was karaoke going on? It was the night we got you to do karaoke. But I I was at the table, but the pub was basically empty. And there was only a, a bunch of people in because they loved karaoke. And do you remember I, I, I got up and sang Sunday yeah. to karaoke? And the, the people just couldn't quite, is that the, <laughs> is that the guy? You, you know, he sounds not, that lad sounds not bad at that at all, you know? He does it pretty I didn't, well. I didn't, didn't somebody say, well, you're no Alan Frew. Yeah. Oh my I God! Think, I think something came up like that. Yeah, you're pretty good, but you're no Alan. Um, guys, I uh, I appreciate you taking the time to chat today. Um, you know, you're, you're one of the bands that I've uh, that I've kind of grown up with that I've I've yet to see live, and I'm very very excited to see you in Quebec City. Um, I'm actually, uh, it's it's on my bucket list for the fall, and I'm hoping to see you in Montreal as well. W- where can people get more information on what's going on with you guys right now? Well, that'd be Sam. Well, cer- certainly, uh, you know, the website, glasstiger.ca, you know, we're on all of the socials and Facebook and stuff. And uh, um, it's easy to find us. Instagram is probably the best. And there's a link where you can find all the shows and concerts, uh, bands in town, all that stuff. Um, so pretty easy to find where we are. And uh, we're certainly excited uh, to get back. And uh, Quebec City will be one show. And then when we start in Montreal on December 1st, that's actually the first date in a sort of a mini holiday run. So that show will be a bit different. Oh, great. Uh, part of this mini Christmas holiday tour and ending at Massey Hall in Toronto, starting in Montreal. So that'll be, that'll be a fun, uh, fun run as well. Yeah. And again, uh, you know, 247 to 256 to drop down to that dun, 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 is so ballsy. You know, so much respect. I, I think I think we had no idea what to do. And we're like just pausing and we're like, I think that's right. great. I mean, nobody does that. Everybody tries to bring it up more. And 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 but so yeah, it's um it, I, there you needs know, to- you know, we don't we don't do it live anymore. We don't take it to that spot live. You should, you should. And I'm telling you, this there needs to be a course taught on don't forget me, because it's brilliant. The, the, uh, just the mapping out of that is great. Thanks for <laughs> thanks for taking the time, guys. Thanks, thanks. Jeff. Thank you. Yeah, Bye. take care, guys. Yeah, you see, man, that's just magic. I just yep. I thought this conversation was pure magic, and there were so many like you know just speaking like Julie and I from pres- we look at things with producer eyes sometimes because that's what we have to do. And when you're looking at the little mini clips, or like what can entice people to really want to watch this particular interview, and there were so many. Yeah, like the Gorn Lightfoot story. That's incredible. The writing session they had, where they wrote both of their biggest hits in the span of maybe twenty minutes. Yeah, when people were on a smoke break, like that's yep. incredible. Yeah, like little moments like that, and it just makes me think. Yeah, this is what I love about podcasts. But I like the way you started off the interview, just really getting into the songwriting aspect because that's uh, that that's something as a listener that I I don't always want to listen to. Oh yeah, like I I sang this vocal track, doing blow off a hooker's ass. It's like yeah, that it, it it's cool, but unless you're Motley Crue, it it gets a little old. Yeah, I'm like, how how did inspiration happen? That's yeah. what I like to hear. That's the stories that I like hearing because sometimes it could be the oddest thing in the world. And uh, you know, get out of here because you're smoking is a great story. 
Oh yeah, and and also the um, you know, when you talk about sh- song structure and composition, and you know, s- classic structures of songs, you know, you start off with the intro, and then you go to the verse, you know, chorus or verse, pre-chorus, chorus, and just the way they constructed that song um, was very, very against the grain. It was against what most people would tell you to do, and it's like it's like a band going out and opening up with their hit. You're like, holy mm-hmm. shit, well, where the fuck are they going to go from there? But that's a ballsy move, and I like when people take chances like that. You know what I mean? Ivan did that with and men without hats but he was wise enough to play it again at the end too i like, know he, <laughs> give I know. it to he them right away so they're not waiting for it but then right. appreciate all our other music and then yeah. play it again for them which is a unique way to do it but um anyways that was a really fun one man i gotta tell you and i'm looking forward to seeing them play uh they will be performing on october 8th in Quebec city at L'Imperial. And then they will be again in Montreal, December 1st, December 1st is going to be part of their Christmas show. And October 8th, you're going to get all the classic, um, glass tiger hits. So Ryan and I will be going to the show. We'll be sure to report back and let you know, um, how the show was, because I'm, I, it's going to be a great show. It's going to be a wonderful show. We're going to have a lot of fun. Big thanks to our producer, Julia Kajerski, my co-host, Ryan stick, uh, our sponsors, studio house designs and to heartbeat hot sauce. Um, thank you so much for being on board with us. We appreciate you so much. And if you use my promo code rockman 20, you'll get 20% off your entire order. Use it as many times as you want. Give it to your friends. That is the promo code that will get you 20% off heartbeat hot sauce and feel free to use it to your heart's content. Um, we love the fact that you participate in the podcast. So it's our little way of saying thank you. Uh, And until next week, we'll see you on the Rockland Power Hour.